Verite ergo primum renium dei, et justitiam eus, et hec omnia adicientur vobis. Seek first the kingdom of God and his justice, and all these things shall be given unto you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear Canon, very dear faithful, in today's Gospel taken from St. Matthew, our Lord reminds us that we cannot serve God and mammon. He enjoins us to serve God and God only, and not to give in to our base desires. He points out various reasons for why it is useless for us to be anxious or worry about our riches, our future, or ourselves. In short, our Lord tells us that the way to be free of worry and secure in our life on earth is to seek first the kingdom of God. In today's episode to the Galatians, St. Paul tells us that we are to be assiduous about walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the desires of the flesh. How are we to square these two pieces of advice together? We all have experienced the difficulty of advancing in the spiritual life, of living a morally good life. There are always those around us who walk the broad and easy path and appear always to be happy on their way. If Holy Mother Church has put these two texts together in today's liturgy, there is something underlying them that ties them together. Let us see what this may be. We find the central thought of today's Mass synthesized in the Collect. O Lord, because without thee, man in his frailty would fall. Ever by thy help, both keep us from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. The position of man in respect to the spiritual life is that of a child who finds himself at a crossroads. He cannot go on alone, and he does not know which road leads to his home. Two roads open up before the Christian. One leads to the kingdom of the Spirit, the kingdom of God. The other to the kingdom of the flesh, the kingdom of mammon. Which of the two will he choose? Evidently, he wishes to take the one leading to the kingdom of God, the calm, peaceful kingdom described by Jesus in today's Gospel. Unfortunately, however, the kingdom of mammon also has attractions and tries to seduce his heart. The epistle tells us that we must struggle against these allurements. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary one to the other, so that you do not do the things that you would. At that time in history, Galatia was a Greek-speaking Roman province in modern-day Turkey. St. Paul had received reports of many moral disorders among the faithful. For this reason, he pointed out to them the joyful consequences of a life lived in the Spirit. The words he wrote to the Galatians apply also to us. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Besides pointing out the various disorders caused by giving in to the desires of the flesh, St. Paul reminds us of the example that our Lord gave us 
through his incarnation. Living according to the Spirit is true liberty, because such a life produces the fruits of charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, mildness, fidelity, modesty, continence, and chastity. Charity, joy, and peace unite us to God so that we rest in Him. Patience, kindness, goodness, and fidelity unite us to our neighbor. Modesty, continence, and chastity allow us to possess our souls in the midst of all the events of our daily life. Those who walk in the Spirit produce these fruits in their lives. Thus, the only law that governs a Christian life is that of charity towards God, by which we have this union of spirit with Him. The struggle is hard sometimes, even in souls that are decidedly advanced in the things of God. This is because the path that leads to the kingdom of God is rough and tiring, often shrouded in dense darkness, rendering it impossible for the soul to discern the progress already made. Then the soul must proceed in the night, believing and hoping. Meanwhile, its gaze falls on the other road, which is broader and more comfortable, strewn with sensible goods which can be seen and touched, gathered and enjoyed immediately by merely stretching out one's hand. The soul feels the temptation and realizes that alone it could not resist. But if it takes refuge in God, if it yields to the guidance of the Spirit, it will be saved, although not without sacrifice. I say then, walk in the Spirit, continues St. Paul, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, and the Apostle goes on to give a very unattractive list of them. It is always true. Material goods always seem attractive, but are doomed to quickly vanish and decay. It is not worthwhile to stop to enjoy them. That is why they that are Christ's have crucified their flesh with the vices and concupiscences. It is by the cross of Christ that man has regained a true liberty, a certain peace of soul, an equilibrium of his existence. By the sacrament of baptism, when sins are washed away, man regains his position as a child of God. It is therefore only right and good that he chastise the enemies of his soul, who for so long lorded it over him. Man owes nothing to the flesh, especially after the miseries it has brought upon him. But further than this, God too has been insulted by the sensual abominations committed in his sacred presence, and he too demands atonement. Thus mortification of the flesh is a necessary means of keeping the blessings that God has showered upon him. One never knows when the flesh will revolt again. St. Paul himself has stated, I chastise my body and bring it into subjection, lest perhaps I should become reprobate. Mortification 
is a duty incumbent upon us Christians by prudence. It is different from penance, which is a debt of justice to be paid by a sinner. The duty of mortification is done by every Christian if we are to remain out of the reach of concupiscence. None of us can claim to have acquitted ourselves of these duties perfectly in our lives. All spiritual masters teach that no man who is desirous either of perfection or of salvation should limit himself to the rules of simple temperance, that cardinal virtue which forbids excess in pleasures of any kind. From time to time, using the virtue of fortitude, we must refuse even lawful gratifications and impose privations on ourselves even if they are not obligatory. At times, we should even inflict punishments on ourselves as permitted by a discreet director. St. Francis de Sales says as much in his introduction to the devout life, if you can bear fasting, you would do well to fast on certain days beyond those fasts which the church commands us to observe. Even when one does not fast much, Yet does the enemy fear us all the more when he sees that we know how to impose a fast upon ourselves. Therefore, do you choose out of these for your fasts as far as your devotion and the discretion of your director will counsel you to do? When done properly, with the desire to follow our Lord upon the cross, whom we claim to love dearly, Mortification will not make us lose our affability towards them. On the contrary, we will grow in the virtues and become more like our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. How is it possible to love Jesus, the man of sorrows, and not love his sufferings? This is a tall order and can certainly provoke in us much anxiety or fear. Where does this come from? We get our answer from the Gospel. Our Lord says right at the start, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will stand by the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot follow two roads at the same time, the one leading to the kingdom of God and the other to worldly pleasure. Therefore, if we give ourselves to God, we should have the courage to give ourselves entirely with no regrets, no backward glance, however fleeting, at the things of the world. The soul who, after choosing the path of perfection, does not go for generously with its whole heart, will never be content. It will neither experience the joy of knowing that it belongs entirely to God, nor will it have the satisfaction of being able to follow all the attractions of the world. The first will be impeded by the soul's unfaithfulness. The second by the fear of God, which it still possesses. Such a soul is unhappy, torn between the two and in continual struggle with itself. This is the source of its fear and anxiety. Our Lord knows that the journey that he's asking us to undertake will be an entirely new experience for us. 
overwhelming in its demands and fraught with many difficulties in the choices that we will have to make. He reminds us that he will be with us and therefore we have no cause for anxiety. Every detail of our long and difficult journey will be taken care of by him. In the last part of the gospel, he tells us that we should not have too much solicitude about material things. Our spirit may be willing, but as our Lord pointed out, the flesh is weak. All of our worries about our material needs can be taken care of in a virtuous way with gratitude to God for the opportunities he has furnished us to obtain the means for our temporal well-being. To relieve us of such anxieties, Jesus presents to us the marvelous picture of divine providence. Behold the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor do they reap, nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not you of more value than they? These are the words that give us wings and fill us with the desire to cast aside all vain preoccupations about earthly things and concentrate on seeking the kingdom of God. Seek ye therefore first the kingdom of God and his justice, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we only had greater faith in divine providence, how much fear we would be to attend to the things of our soul. Although obliged to occupy ourselves with earthly affairs, we would not be entrapped by them, but would know how to attend to them with complete liberty of spirit. There is no sin in acquiring material, material riches and using them to grow in virtue. Our only master should be our Father in heaven. It is sinful to allow mammon to dominate us. We should make it our servant. The Holy Family certainly had many material wants and needs. Theirs was a life of poverty. However, they gave us the example of what it is to live by faith that God our Father will provide as long as we are resolved to live by his commandments. Let us confide ourselves to their cares so that we may grow closer to our Lord in serving him as our only master. We have no better example in this than in the Holy Family. Let us ask St. Joseph and Our Lady to guide us in our imitation of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we too will be welcomed into the kingdom of God at the end of our life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.